Welcome to the Sunday Morning Bible Study at Whitestone Christian Fellowship, taught by Pastor Bob Lorenz. We're located in the village of Victor, a little southeast of Rochester, New York. Pastor Bob teaches line by line and verse by verse from the Word of God. Now, let's join this week's Sunday Morning Bible Study, already in progress. As we look at, uh, as we're going to be getting into this, this letter to the Ephesians, we're first going to have our reading. And if you're joining us on the internet this morning, we welcome you. This is the 10 a.m. service of Whitestone Christian Fellowship in upstate New York. Our reading is from is from 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 to 5. Please join me as we read this together. And then we'll be getting into the first 14 verses of Ephesians chapter 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience and the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you and peace be multiplied. Blessed be God, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. This is a powerful opening for a general letter to all of these people that Peter doesn't know. And we must remember that Peter was given the ministry of taking the gospel to the Jews in Israel. And in this case, he is writing to all of those out in the outlying areas that he probably will never meet until they all get to heaven. The ones that were among Paul's ministry, the Gentiles there, Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia and Bithynia. He says elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ unto you and peace be multiplied. Peter is introducing us in his letter and to those reading it. He's introducing, he's introducing the, uh, he's introducing the body of Christ to the idea of election, to, uh, to the idea of God's foreknowledge of every single person on the face of the earth.
in my notes on this foreknowledge, what it means, it says that there's a divine order in place. And the first thing is foreknowledge. God's foreknowledge of us. Election. Predestination. That's the divine order. Foreknowledge, election, and predestination. Foreknowledge determines the election. Or choice is clear. It's clear from 1 Peter 1, verse 2. That foreknowledge seems to come first. Predestination. I, I need to back up and catch my the beginning of my note. Election looks back to foreknowledge. Predestination looks forward to destiny. But the Scripture nowhere declares what it is in the divine foreknowledge which determines the divine election and predestination. The foreknown are elected. The elect are predestined. And the election is certain to every believer by the mere fact that he believes in the Lord Jesus Christ. God is not disorderly. There's a plan. There's a purpose unto everything under the sun, as Solomon wrote. And the idea of God's foreknowledge I sort of had to I sort of had to break this down into something that I could relate to and understand. We look at we look at God as our heavenly parent, father of us all. But when it comes to my life, I can see that there were times when I was growing up that my parents knew me so well that when I was facing a decision, they would stand back and they would look at the choices that I was facing. And they would weigh them and they would weigh them against my personality and my goals. And they knew beforehand what my choice would be without directing me or saying anything. In much the same way, our Heavenly Father already knows us. That's His foreknowledge. He knows us so well that facing every situation and circumstance and decision, He knows what we will choose. So He doesn't force us into a corner and leave us only one choice to make. We make those choices. But what He does is He controls situations and circumstances because He loves us. And He wants us to make those decisions that He knows we'll make. He wants us to make them of our own free will. We can reject His plan. But then our choices in the future will change again. And our situations in the future will change again. God's desire is that none should be lost. 
So he's got this foreknowledge of us, and he uses it to bring us to the point where common sense, our own common sense, tells us there's only one good choice to make. Our parent knows us very well. And we are forever grateful for that. So when we look at when we look at foreknowledge and predestination and election, they're all tied up together. And there is a series, there's a pattern that they follow because God has set the pattern. It's interesting when we think about about the serpent in the in the Garden of Eden. That was not a surprise to God. And he knew what his plan of salvation was ahead of time. And so he allowed Satan to deceive and let Eve make a choice and let her compel Adam to make a choice also. Because God's plan for salvation always, always, always included the death of His beloved Son. His only begotten. We think of the angels as also the sons of gods. They're called that in the Word. But Jesus Christ was the only begotten, human-born Son of God. And for that, we have, we have God's foreknowledge of us <laughs> to thank because He knows what we will need. As we open up this book of Ephesians, the first verse is telling. He says, Paul, identifying himself, an apostle of Jesus Christ, not by Paul's will, but by the will of God, to the saints which are at Ephesus and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. Now Paul admits right here, he says, this is the last thing I ever expected to be doing. Preaching the gospel when I so thoroughly persecuted the church before Jesus got hold of me. So Paul says, I'm an apostle of Jesus Christ because of the will of God, not because of my will. I'm not doing this on my own. I'm doing this because I have relinquished my will to the Lord Jesus Christ. After having met Him on the road to Damascus and was blinded for three days, and even when He was healed, he ended up with what many believe to be an eye disease. God didn't want him seeing the things that were going on in Judaism. He was already aware of them. Having been a, a Pharisee of the Pharisees, as he himself declares, Paul persecuted the church heavily. To the degree that when he came into Jerusalem, the Christians there were aghast. Isn't that the one? 
that used to persecute us, that used to arrest us, that used to take us before the magistrates of Judaism, before the judges and all the rest. Yeah, that's him. He was not well received, but he had to prove himself in this new life that he had. Even as we, even as we just read, even as we just read in First Peter, chapter one. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again. Read that again, and it's, it's another word, a euphemism for being born again. He hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Christ Jesus from the dead. Begotten us again. We are born again, and that's what Paul was. He also was born again. And here in this first verse, it says that Paul is writing this to the saints which are at Ephesus. There's a phrase there, anaphiso, the saints in, in Ephesus. That is missing from some of the best manuscripts of the translation that we're reading today. It's missing. So now read it without, without that phrase. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. This becomes more of a general epistle when it's not addressed to the Ephesians. And because, because that phrase is left out of some of the best manuscripts, it has created a question in the mind of some biblical scholars that says, well, you know what? Ephesus is right up the road from Laodicea, and we seem to have lost this letter to Laodicea. Maybe this is it. Because the Laodicean letter, like the Colossian letter, they were to be published throughout the church, throughout the whole region. So this could very well be the letter to the Laodiceans. But it was a general letter, clearly. And it was to every saint that has ever read it since it was written and sent out to the churches. It's called Ephesians because of this, this little phrase that was put in here. We don't know when it was put in. We don't know which manuscripts. At least I don't know which manuscripts. I'm sure we could search that out and find out which ones it was included in and which ones it was deleted from. But this is just a, an interesting little sideline since we know what the book of Revelation says about the church at Laodicea. Their wealth. Their ability to supply for themselves rather than rely on God. What need do we have of God if we can supply everything that we need for ourselves? That's the underlying question. If we believe in the Lordship of Jesus Christ, then we have to understand that we need Jesus. We need salvation. 
regardless of how much money we have or how little we have. Money makes no difference when it comes to a spiritual life in heaven for all eternity. So this is just a little sideline in this introduction. Uh, we know that we know that this this letter was carried uh, was carried by Tychicus. We know that it was carried with the letter to the Colossians and the one to Philemon as well by the same by the same carrier. It didn't come by UPS, it came by Tychicus. He says, Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. We're getting into some phrasing that you'll find throughout the entire letter. When we see that there's something from Jesus Christ or in Jesus Christ or by Jesus Christ or by the Lord or anything like that, you may want to highlight it in your Bibles. You'll find that at least every other verse, if not every verse, has something to that effect. The things that Jesus has done for us, we find ourselves in Him because of Him. That's what our faith is all about. And so, even in the first verse, it, it says, that, to the faithful in Christ Jesus. We're faithful because of Him. We're faithful because of the hope that He's left us. And we're faithful because we find our lives hid in Him. Grace and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heaven, in heavenly places in Christ. Another, another thing to highlight The Lord Jesus Christ has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. Now, we, we can go into many different churches and we can hear people praising the Lord for the physical blessings, the financial blessings, the blessings of health, of family, of, a, of a, an employment, a job a career, a skill. We can find them thanking people for all of those things, but this says, Blessed be God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. There are spiritual blessings that we have barely scraped the surface of, and we won't get into them deeply until we find ourselves in heaven with Him. Then we will be living in the midst of all of the spiritual blessings in heavenly places. But Paul says, Blessed be God the Father for all that we're, all that we're going to see in the future. 
according as He hath chosen us in Him. Chosen in Him. This is election. Before the foundation of the world, before the foundation of the world, that's, that's before we were born, and yet God has foreknowledge of us and our lives. How does He do that? It's beyond me. All I know that He knows me even better than my parents knew me. And He makes a plan for us, for each of us. He makes a plan for me. Put your name in there. He makes a plan for, for Fred or for Ethel or for Lucy and Ricky for that matter. <laughs> he makes a plan for us because of His love for us. You remember what it says in John 3.16? Whosoever believes in Him shall not die, but have eternal life. So as he's, as he's writing this, according as He hath chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blemish before Him in love. Jesus is the, the epitome of love for what He's done for us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Interesting that His foreknowledge includes the idea that even before we are born into this world, we're sinners. Even before we're born into this world, we're sinners. God knows that we will be born into this world. That's part of His plan too. That's part of His foreknowledge. And yet He still went to the cross. Our, our worship songs this morning were all about the things that He's done for us rather than the things that we try to do for Him. And it's a good thing that we do that and understand it because the things that we try to do for Him, even the things that we accomplish for Him, are as filthy rags. Our good works are like filthy rags to the Lord. So this, is, this idea of faith and serving Him, uh, what is our calling? What is my calling? My calling might be different from yours. Yours is different from mine. What, what happens if your calling is flipping burgers at McDonald's? You can be the best burger flipper possible. You can put on joy. You can serve the customer with a smile. That's a choice. That may be somebody's calling. You may be called to be a secretary or a receptionist. Or you may just be called to be a grandmother or a grandfather. 
the point is that what we're living right now is the calling that God has prepared for us and prepared us to fulfill. What about a pastor? Oh, they went into the high calling of God. No, they went into the calling that God made for them. Being a pastor is not the highest calling of God. Being a servant is. And the Lord tells us that He knew us from before the foundation of the world. Not that we should have a high calling in God, but that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Christ Jesus. Here's another one to, to highlight. By Christ Jesus to Himself, He's predestinated us unto Himself according to the good pleasure of His will. Good pleasure. The good pleasure of His will. In Revelation 4, verse 11, there's an interesting verse that we need to remind me ourselves of. I need to remind myself of this quite regularly. Revelation 4.11, it says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. Everything on earth that we see, every person we see walking, every ant, every bird, every bird, critter. It's made for His good pleasure. Everything. Every tree. Every flower blossom. You know, when you look around the world, if it weren't for sin in the world, we would find all kinds of beautiful places. Colors burst under the ocean. When you see the corals and you see the different colored fish in the Pacific or the Atlantic or in the Caribbean where the waters are blue. There are beautiful places on earth that we can see. God created them for His good pleasure. And He put us in them and among them so that we would have that same pleasure if we find ourselves in Him. Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Christ Jesus to Himself according to the good pleasure of His will. Adoption of children were His heirs to the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He hath made us accepted in the Beloved. To the praise and the glory of His grace. God's grace. It's as boundless as His forgiveness. He hath made us acceptable in the Beloved. 
And who's the beloved? Jesus Christ. His only begotten Son is His beloved. He hath made us accepted in the beloved in whom we have redemption through His blood. The forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. Suddenly we find ourselves being redeemed. We are His purchased possession. He paid He paid a dear price to redeem us. Wherein He hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence. He abounds us. He abounds toward us. He grows large toward us in all wisdom and prudence. And we're His heirs. He wants us to share in all of that wisdom and all of that prudence. And what's what's wisdom? It's not just knowledge. It's, it's a collection of facts, but it's the godly application of the knowledge, which means there's a level of prudence in making our decisions that we're choosing the right ones that are going to impact us beneficially. He hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence. His wisdom, He knows how to get us from point A to point B. And yet, He opens the door for that. And yet He says, okay, now choose. It's still our free will. He doesn't relinquish our free... He doesn't take away our free will just because of the predestination. He doesn't take our free will away at all. We still get to choose. And you know, sometimes it's in the choosing that we can get big-headed because, wow, I was really smart with that. I made a good decision. Well, you were led to a position you were led to a situation that you didn't create. You were led to a certain set of circumstances that you saw that there was only one good decision to make. And that's to cling to the Lord Jesus Christ. He hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of His will according to His good pleasure, which He hath purposed in Himself. He purposed it in Himself. I know what my good pleasure is going to be. I know what my good pleasure is. I know, I think, what God's good pleasure is. And that's someone who chooses Him. How much pleasure God gets when a sinner repents and chooses the Lord Jesus Christ. He purposed that in His own heart. This is what's going to please me. And I'll guide and I'll direct and I'll fix circumstances and situations, but they have to make the choice. Adam had to make a choice. 
even at the urging of his wife, he still had to make a choice. Am I going to choose God's will, donate the fruit of that tree? Or am I going to listen to someone else because they said, I heard this is really, really good and tasty. When it comes to the apple, that fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, it wasn't an apple. We don't know what it was. The devil tempted Eve and said, Did God say that you could not eat of the fruit of that tree? And she said, Oh, yes, and we shouldn't touch it either. Adding to God's word. They could have picked it, they could have tossed it around like a baseball. If it was big enough, they could play soccer with it, they could carve it up, they could give it to the animals. They just were not supposed to eat it themselves. But you know, once you cut into something like that, you get the aroma. You sense the sweetness coming from the fruit. It's almost an insatiable appetite that it creates within us. And the other side of that appetite that's created is God said, don't do it. Why? Why doesn't God want me to do that? That's one of the biggest problems with temptations. Why is God directing me someplace else? Why doesn't He want me to do it? Because then His pleasure will be gone. His pleasure. Oh, you can have your pleasure. But God's pleasure will not be fulfilled. Not that time having made known unto us the mystery of His will according to His good pleasure, which He hath purposed in Himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, okay, at the end of the age, the fullness of times, He might gather together in one all things in Christ, all things in Christ. It tells us in the book of Revelation that during the millennial millennial age, He will reconcile all things to Himself. And that's what Paul is telling us right here. The fullness of times He might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth even in Him. That's an amazing statement to reconcile everything, everything that's been corrupted by sin, every perfect thought that's been corrupted, every perfect gift that's been turned into disgrace, Everything that God created in perfection and has been spoiled by sin, God is going to reconcile back to Himself. Because 
it's going to be in Him. He created it. He's taking back His possessions. He let us borrow them for all of these ages. And all we have to do is open up our internet browser, read the news, read of events, and we can soon learn very quickly that everything in this world has been corrupted to one degree or another. Even unto Him in whom also we have obtained an inheritance. There's that heirship again. We are heirs to His inheritance being predestinated according to the purpose of Him who worketh all things after the counsel of His own will. Another grand statement, to say the least. We have obtained. It's ours. It's past tense. We have obtained an inheritance being predestinated according to the purpose of Him who worketh all things after the counsel of His own will. That we should be to the praise of His glory who first trusted in Christ. Jesus certainly did the work for us. Because all He asked us to do was to believe in Him, put our faith in Him, trust in Him. And if we first trusted in Christ because of His work, then it's to the praise of His glory. In whom you also trusted, after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. You know, there's something in us that when we hear something that is true, it strikes a chord within us. It's something that we can relate to. Maybe it's something that we've even experienced before. But there's, there's a, a recognition when a truth is spoken. Now, you won't find that in the political realm these days. But you will find it in the Gospels. You will find it coming from the mouth of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You will find it in the Gospels. It is something that you can lean on. It's something that you can build upon. And it's something that we know is made for our benefit. Ever since you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that you believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. Once you hear it, once you hear a truth, it goes deep in. 
And when someone comes up and says, well, that's not true. That same thing isn't true. You're believing a falsehood. It rubs you the wrong way and it irritates you because that's what you have related to. That's what you have chosen to say. Yes, that's it. That's what I've been looking for. That's what I've been waiting to hear. That's what I've been waiting to learn. I can't build on those other things. I need to build on something that's solid. You can't build a house on shifting sand. You need to build it on the rock. You need a firm foundation. You were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of His glory. Those are things that we can build on. The truth that's in the Gospel. And it brings us to the point of the redemption of the purchased possession. That's us. We are His purchased possession now. But when He redeems us, it's out of this earth, off of this earth, away from this earth, and into His glorious presence in heaven. The redemption of the purchased possession. Think of yourselves that way this week. I'm a purchased possession. I belong to someone else. I belong to the one who I have chosen to put my trust, my faith in. Because if I have a hope of getting to heaven, I can't get there myself. Someone has to hold the door for me. Someone has to open the door for me. Someone has to help me cross that threshold from death in the world to life in Christ. And His name is Jesus. And He does it to and for whomsoever will believe on His name to the purpose of His own will. Heavenly Father, we thank You for this message this morning. We ask, Lord, that You would just let it sink deep into our hearts. And Lord, have us review it this week before we get into the next section next Sunday. There is so much here. There is so much here. Lord, we don't want to miss anything. Teach us. Teach us about your foreknowledge. Teach us about becoming an heir according to your holy will. And it's no mistake that in the Gospels and in the Epistles, when we hear of God's will, His perfect will for us, 
that His Word also tells us to walk worthy of our calling. Heavenly Father, gracious Lord, teach us to walk worthy and holy and separate from this world. We love You and we thank You. All praise and honor and glory belongs to You. In Your name we pray. Amen. From Psalm 67, verses 1 and 2, God, be merciful and bless us and cause His face to shine upon us that Thy way may be known upon earth, Thy saving health among all nations. God bless you. Have a wonderful week. Walk worthy. Walk worthy of your calling. And we have been called. Make no mistake. God bless you. Thank you for listening to the Sunday Morning Bible Study at Whitestone Christian Fellowship, taught by Pastor Bob Lorenz. To access the list of teachings or to check the archives for Pastor Bob's weekly observations column, log on to whitestonecf.com. There you can also check the weekly schedule and any upcoming events. To contact us or to drop a note to Pastor Bob, you can email us at whitestonecf at gmail.com or call us at 585-924-8820. Whitestone Christian Fellowship is a non-denominational congregation. Every Sunday, Pastor Bob walks us through the Bible, teaching line upon line and verse by verse. And we're located in the village of Victor, a little southeast of Rochester, New York. And if you're in the area, we invite you to visit us. From upstate New York, Pastor Bob encourages all of us to immerse ourselves in the Word of God. Until next time, remember that Jesus is our victor. Stay close to Him.